0: Bible tonight to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. This is what I would consider a short psalm full of encouragement for the faithful. This was the psalm that we read to begin the morning service. We will preach from it tonight. Great encouragement for God's people contained in this psalm. We'll begin with verse 1 and read it through. We have, uh, we have three stanzas here of four verses. I believe that's right. Four verses each, three stanzas. We'll read beginning with verse 1. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him or kill him? All of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth. But inwardly, they curse law, and the Selah is a rest, a pause to consider what we just read, and we'll continue. Verse 5, my soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Men of low degree are only vanity and men of rank are a lie. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you recompense a man according to his work. Father in heaven, bring this word home to our hearts. Give us understanding. In our minds and help us, God, to live it out. Help us who profess your name to remain faithful in times of conflict. And we thank you, Lord, for this Wonderful Psalm 62, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we have three, three stanzas or strophes and we'll, um, so we have three points. First one, I'll just go ahead and give you the points. The first one is that the faithful trust God in the midst of conflict. Second point, verses five through eight, the faithful encourage others to trust God in times of conflict. And then finally, verses nine through 12, um, in times of conflict, The faithful do not trust in riches. Let's look at the first stanza. Look at that first verse there. My soul waits in silence for God only. The word only um, is there, right there it is in verse 1, and it's there in verse 2. He only, a reference to God, there in verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. I'm looking for another only, but two will do. For now, there's one in verse 5. So there's this restrictive sense of who the believer, in this case, in this uh, context, it is the psalmist, it is David, and David is restrictive in who he trusts. Would that all God's people would be narrow-minded in this fashion, trusting only God. In the good times and the difficult times, trusting only God. this is a the word there is a word in the original language in the original text and it needs to be there. And David says, "My soul waits in silence for God only. So he has this very refined, very restrictive, very narrow focus as the psalm unfolds. He says, from him is my salvation. So his salvation, the, uh, the preserving of his life, his soul is from God. So we have a savior, Jesus. He's the one who preserves us. He's the one who gives us eternal life. So it makes sense that if God governs all eternity, if his son came to give us eternal life, that we would trust only him. And I love this because David is given a testimony. He's testifying to the fact that his soul waits in silence for God alone. And the reason is that God brings the salvation that David's life is built on. You and I can stand in his sandals and say the same thing. We trust God Almighty. Our soul is gonna wait in silence for him, for him alone, because he's the one who will save the day. He's the one that will save my soul. He's the one committed to me. He's far more committed to me than I am to him. So we count on him. Now the Psalm, unfolds verse 2 he says he and the reference here is to god this is such a beautiful song you know we're going to see in about two verses he's going to be in the midst of the of the fire he is going to be in conflict his life is on the line but where is the focus the focus is on god the focus is on god the focus isn't really it, it, it is on David's faith in the moment, in the real time, in the conflict, but, but that faith wouldn't be there had God not already initiated that relationship with David. So David is a recipient of God's covenantal love, and David knows that God is the source of his salvation, and God will not leave him in the midst of trial and adversity. So David makes this testimony, he only, this reference to God, he only, there it is again, this very restrictive, very narrow focus. Would that we would have this narrow focus when the chips are down, so to speak. What do we do as humans many times? Things get rough and we start grasping at straws. We're all over the map. We have to settle ourselves, and that's fine. There are disturbances and there are disruptions, and we need to take some deep breaths. We need to regain our focus, but the quicker we do that, the better. So to be restrictive in this focus, to know that not every day is gonna be beautiful and sunny like today. There are, there's gonna be some rain, there's gonna be some storms, there's gonna be some wind. And to just know when that happens, to be singular in your focus on God. Notice, it is God only. He's not expecting uh, salvation, He's not expecting help from any other direction than from heaven, from God. He only is my rock. And notice that personal pronoun there He only is my rock. So God not only saves, but we see God as as a rock. He is our He's the foundation of our lives. My life is situated on the rock, and that rock is my God. He gives me stability, and He says, "And my salvation." He repeats it again. So He is He is uh, very. Committed to this thought, this idea that God is his salvation, that that his well-being is all wrapped up in God. And then he adds another term, my stronghold or my fortress, maybe a better word picture. God is seen here as a stronghold, a refuge, a fortress. And David says, I shall not... Be greatly shaken. So, three words, big words, big ideas, um, when we consider our Lord that He is my salvation, that He is my rock, and that He is my refuge. And all of those have effects in our lives when we see God in these ways. Verse 3. Now, are you ready for the conflict to begin? Because here it is in verse 3. David's going to articulate the situation. He says, how long will you assail a man that you may murder him or kill him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? So here, uh, David is expressing some amazement with the problem. Okay, so he's, he's... I don't think he's amazed that the problem has begun. I think he's amazed that the problem has continued and it's gone on for so long. So he's asking the question, how long, how long will you assail or shout at a man that you may kill him? So he's speaking of his of his enemies, all of you. So he's got more than one. And then David, pictures himself, he presents himself in the Psalm. He says like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. So the picture is there's the enemies. There's more than one. They're assailing David and he feels like a leaning wall or a tottering fence that his enemies see his weakness And they are just going to come in and dominate him. They're going to knock him down like a leaning wall. They're going to knock him down like he's a tottering fence. And he's amazed about it. How long, O Lord? Verse 4, they have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. Well, okay, so they're together in this thing. These enemies must have talked it over. They must have decided on their target. And now they're going to thrust him down from his high position. And then he describes his enemies this way. He says they delight in falsehood. In deceit or deception. They bless with their mouth. But inwardly they curse. So they're, they're tricky to deal with because they present themselves as as people who want to bless David, but inside they have other motives. They want to, what, kill him. They want to remove him. He says, they delight in falsehood. They love this. They love this game of deception. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Selah. So as we say law there, we think about what we just read. These enemies of David, they are together. They outnumber David. They conspire together. They counsel together. They're alike in their deception. They want David to think that they're friendly with David when they're really his enemy. And inside, David realizes inwardly they curse. And all of this is taking place at the same time David begins with, My soul waits in silence for God alone, for God only. David knows that in spite of what his enemies are Conjuring up that God is his source of salvation, that God is his foundation, that God is his refuge. And he says, I shall not be greatly shaken. So the fire is taking place. The conflict uh, is underway and David senses a vulnerability yet. He is trusting God. He's, um, he's not asking advice from friends. Nothing wrong with asking advice from a Christian friend. Nothing wrong with getting prayer support from a Christian friend. But let me tell you this, sometimes you don't have that luxury. So at the, at the, at the, at the core of it, This should be your disposition. This is something we would want as believers to develop within our own heart and minds. The confidence in God. The willingness to wait in silence when anyone else out here, when one who does not know God, would be uh, all over Facebook. That was... Yeah, or just just making calls. I mean, trying to figure out what to do. We know what to do. Stay calm. Focus on God. Because ultimately, our salvation is in Him. And nothing that happens to us escapes His notice. He knows what's taking place. And He will save us. He cares that much. Then verse uh, five begins the second stanza. Here we have the faithful uh, exhort not only themselves, but others to trust in God uh, during difficult times, during conflict. Now, I think, what, I think we should say this. Because you may be thinking, well, in the first stanza, he already commits to waiting in silence for God alone. He already recognizes that God is his salvation. God is his rock. God is his salvation, his stronghold. He's already made this great testimony that he says, I shall not be greatly shaken. Uh, He recognizes the enemy all, you know, put a bow on it. It's done. Well, you and I know the nature of, of who we are in our hearts. I mean, listen, you look out over a body of water. It's still as can be. A slight breeze comes up. And what happens? Well, there's some ripples. And that's what happens to us many times. We know where our confidence is. We know where our salvation is. But then there's something else that happens. This other thing over here takes place. Maybe another enemy speaks up or speaks out or tries to enter more deception into our lives, tries to trouble us. Listen, we need to we need to reset again when we're disturbed within. No, we, I mean, you can have a successful day, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God. And what, the God of... God of all, the God of peace will guard your hearts. Yes, that, that's great. That's good for today. And you have that peace. But then there's tomorrow. What I'm saying is, sometimes it's difficult to live there and walk there. And sometimes you have to go from, I'm, I'm my soul is waiting on God and I'm trusting God. You have to go from that to exhorting yourself to trust God because stuff happens and sometimes sometimes it may be someone who's close to you maybe it's another christian and you were you were trusting god really, really good. you're right there and and something's troubling them and then that troubles you listen exhort yourself exhort them to trust god to continue to trust god that's what david does here All I'm saying, folks, is we don't live in a vacuum. And we have the confidence in God, but we have to appropriate that every day, every moment. So he says in verse five, my soul wait in silence for God only. Where have we heard that before? (laughs) He's, he's, He's living there. He wants to be there. He knows this is the answer for my hope is from him. And folks tonight, I, I just wanna say that a very, uh, I, I don't wanna shout it from the housetop since we're not outside, but I wanna say our hope is in him. Our hope is, uh, is not in the, the uh, earthly governments. Our hope is not in material things. Our hope is not in some Uh, newfangled religion, our hope is in God and God alone. He is our salvation. He is our rock. He is our stronghold. He's our refuge. You can trust God. You know that. But our hope is from him. Our hope of eternity and our hope of reunion with him and Christian family and friends And then verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. That same focus, that narrow focus. My stronghold, I shall not be shaken. We've heard this before. Listen, it's good to live there. It's good to say it. It's good to preach it to yourself. It's good to encourage someone else with it. Someone you know is struggling. Who is your God? Is he your salvation? Is he your rock? Is he your stronghold, your refuge, your fortress? Well, of course he is. Then let's calm down and let's wait in silence for God alone. He says, uh, my stronghold, I shall not be shaken. Verse seven, on God. I know you're, you're wondering, well, where's the exhortation? Where's this taking place? Look at verse 7. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The God of my strength, my refuge is in God. Verse 8 is the exhortation because you see a shift here. Trust in him at all times, O people. So David turns from himself and he looks out over his friends. And he starts speaking to his friends what he's been speaking to his own soul. And that's really important. It's really important to share your conviction about who God is and what he has meant to you in trying times, in conflict. He says, trust in him 90% of the time. (laughs) No, at all times. At all times. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people. And right there in that, oh, people, you feel his affection for the people. This is his highest hope for them. Is that they would trust the great God that David himself has trusted. Trust him at all times don't trust don't trust your enemies even if they look like friends don't trust don't trust the people of deception trust in him at all times uh, we have a God who's given us great and precious promises in the word we have a great God who provides for us we have this wonderful God our hope our desire would be that all people trust him so we say to the faithful trust in him at all times in the midst of conflict trust in him uh, that he will deliver that he will respond and then he goes on to say pour out your heart before him are you struggling tell him you're struggling Are you you anxious? Tell him you're anxious. But focus on him. Know that the answer comes from God. Pour out your heart before him. Lord, what am I going to do? Ask him. He's big enough for your questions. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge, I love this, for us. Up until, up until now, it's David's been, you know, this is a personal thing with him. My God, the God of my salvation, the God of my glory, the rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. He gets down here in verse 8 and he says, God is a refuge for us. He's a big God and he can take care of all his kids. God is a refuge for us, Selah. And then we get to verse 9 and following... And the gist of these four verses are, are really negative. It's really what not to do. You know, if, you, if, you really, if, if you're a believer and you really want disaster, then uh, then trust trust riches. If you want to be delivered, Trust God. I mean, that's basically what he says. He says, men of low degree are only vanity. And I say amen to that. That's true. And men of rank are a lie. In the balances, they go up. In other words, they're weighed in the balances and they're found wanting. There is no substance there. And David is just recognizing that one day that will... That will be observed. That will become known. I mean, they think there's something. They think they've got these grandiose plans. David said, these men are, are vanity and they're a lie. And in the balances, they go up. And in the balances of God's judgment, they will go up. He says they are together lighter than breath. That's all of them together. Now I get description over in Isaiah, he uses it. He says uh, he says the nations are as a drop from a bucket before God. I mean the meaningful drops are in the bucket. He says the nations are the drops on the outside of the bucket to God. Hmm. Well, he goes on, do not trust in oppression. No, don't, don't trust in the devices of the enemy. Just don't trust them. You can't trust them because they, listen, the enemy does not have your well-being in mind. That's why who has your well-being in mind, God, your Christian friends, your Christian family. That's that's who has your well-being in mind. But God and God has your well-being in mind, but not. Not the opposition, not those who don't know the Lord. And he says, do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. He says, if riches increase. Do not set your heart upon them. At no time within the conflict or without the conflict is the Christian exhorted to trust in material things. At no time are we encouraged to trust silver or gold. It is interesting, it does leave the possibility that, in, that riches could increase. Just don't set your heart upon them. And then he says this, once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, or one thing, or two things I have heard. And this is, these are the things right here he's gonna tell us. And it's a wonderful conclusion to the psalm, uh, I want to I think about verses 11 and 12 when I lay my head on the pillow tonight to go to sleep, and that is this. So he, he builds it up, doesn't he? Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this. Okay, David, I'm leaning in. What is it? What have you heard? What do you know? He says that power belongs to God. God. God has all power. He is our great and powerful God. I like to, uh, for, for a wonderful illustration of that, is just Genesis 1. God speaking creation into existence. And we have that wonderful name for God throughout Genesis 1, Elohim. Uh, that he's transcendent, far above. He's full of power. I mean, he's over the very universe that he... and, and The the whole system that he created. He's over his creation. Um, He's powerful. He sustains his creation, so that power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O Lord. For you recompense a man according to his work. So here's the things that that he's heard. Number one, God is all powerful. All powerful. And he uses that power in real time. So I think, I think it's real easy for us to relegate all that. We just think, well, that was back then that he was powerful and he demonstrated great things. Or we look to the future. He's all powerful. He demonstrates great things. But I, I want to say it this way. He currently is God of all power. Uh, Meaning he can take someone who's drowning in sin and save them. There's no greater expression of that power, but, but why would he take someone drowning in sin and save them? Well, because of verse 12. And loving kindness is yours, O Lord. This is the great revelation of our God, that he has all power and he is all love. And those things are joined in him perfectly. And he executes those two things perfectly. These are his attributes at the very foundation. Power belongs to God and loving kindness is yours, O oh Lord. For you recompense a man according to his work. Very interesting That those who are, this is the way I would apply this, is that those who are saved, God has given a work. We're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works. I think Paul put it this way, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so the Lord is looking at the fruit of our lives. He's looking at our disposition in conflict, who we trust. And we can be sure that God will recompense a man according to his work, whether they're enemies of Jesus, enemies of his church, or whether they're within and serving Christ. So, Psalm 62, I commit that to you. This is a wonderful and a powerful psalm. It's good for all seasons. Father in heaven, thank you for the day. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight. Lord, I thank you and I'm so grateful to be a part of your blood-bought people. It's good to... Know you. It's good to look to you. And Lord, grow us as we continue to learn from your word. And I do pray, Lord, if there's any shred of anxiety in us. If there's any. Any reflex looking for help in some other direction i pray all of us here tonight would just focus on you on what you've accomplished for us what you've promised to us and that we would expect help from you and that our hope would be fixed in you and you alone we pray in jesus name amen